All right, welcome into the Lemon Pepper Parlay podcast for this week. Rob Parker, along with the youngin Martin Weiss, and Martin, we got a lot to talk about. We got March Madness continues. We'll talk about that. We'll have Rashad Phillips, who is really a good basketball college basketball analyst, and of course, I covered him at UAD. He was a great college player. Small school expert. I mean, college basketball expert in general, but small school expert. I don't know if you saw his pr- prediction for the round of 64, but I'll just say this. If he laid a little coin on what he said, he's uh, he's sitting he's pr- sitting pretty nicely on uh, Wednesday, March 24th. Well, why do you think he's on the show? Yes, I, I did know what he did. I mean, that's why we got him. So, yes, he was a guy calling all these upsets. So we'll do that. We're going to talk about the NBA as well and some debate topics and, of course, some games. You might want to put a little cheddar on. So, yes, it is the Lemon Pepper Parlay podcast, NBA edition slash March Madness edition. So, Rob, your favorite team pretty much this season, the Brooklyn Nets, again, have, uh, how do you say, not quite perfect attendance. Kyrie Irving missing the next. It was announced uh, what earlier this week he was going to miss three games. He's now missed one of those three. The Nets play again tonight, and uh, so that'll be another game he misses. His 29th birthday was also March 23rd, so I don't know. There's There's been speculation that he may have been taking a little PTO for his birthday. And not- family matters, man. Unless you have some information, your rumors don't mean anything. If a guy says he has some family issues, man, I'm going to respect that. There's no reason. I'm not saying – I'm not saying – I'm not saying that I have no problem with it. I'm just saying that your team, the Nets, have had – some guys missing in action, Kyrie due to, you know, some family issues earlier in the season and then now, and then Kevin Durant due to injury. However, all of this is allowing James Harden to just run the show, right? It's a one-man motorcycle and everybody's hanging on behind James Harden. And yesterday, Charles Barkley says, what, James Harden's the best player in the league right now? And you know What's what? Your- you can't argue with Charles right now. I'm, I'm dead serious. This is his MVP push right here. When, it, when um, Anthony Davis went down, that was a chance for LeBron to take over that, that whole idea that he was still going to be fine, they were still going to run, but the Lakers crashed when Anthony Davis went down. Now, no Kyrie on the West Coast trip. They go to Portland. They win game one. They got to play Utah, and then they play Detroit. But this is a push right here. If somehow they go two and one or all win all three games with James, just James Harden, I understand why Barkley's saying he's the best player in the league. Martin, he has done that. His game has evolved. He's not dribble, 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 put up a three-pointer. He's facilitating. He's doing everything. It doesn't matter who's playing. No Durant. They've won 16 out of 18 games. James Harden is doing all the things that he was doing in Oklahoma City. Like, like I don't see his game as as, as involved incredibly. Like, he's gotten better, obviously. He's way. But the better. idea that James Harden was just dribble, 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 shoot, 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 it's because that's what they were telling him to do and empowering him to do. But like, the idea that James Harden isn't a willing passer and not a good passer is is silly to me. But the whole, if James Harden wasn't the MVP in Houston, then what makes him the MVP in Brooklyn? This is the same thing. It's the same show. It's not the I, I show. They just won. They they won sixteen out of eighteen going into Wednesday night. Martin, they went on a West Coast trip. Kevin Durant played one of those games. They swept a West Coast trip. If I'm, I could be wrong. They've won nine straight games against Western Conference opponents. 
I mean, no, these are these are things that don't happen, and you don't even have the full squad. That's where a guy steps up and becomes the MVP because it doesn't matter what happens to the team. He's still leading them. You don't buy into that. Who would you pick as MVP at this point? Well, no, I'd say this. I think Harden, at this point, I would say Harden is the front runner. But if you're asking me who's going to win it, I just don't see a way that James Harden wins the MVP. Like, if I'm betting it, if I'm betting a, if I'm betting down a future ticket on an MVP, I think James Harden's future ticket is a waste of money for an MVP because the people who are going to have to vote for him aren't going to vote for him, in my opinion, after what happened in Houston. And they're going to be looking for any Western Conference narrative to make it pin up. So let the, the Nuggets have been hot. Okay, let the Nuggets rip off five more in a row. Everybody's going to be clamoring for Jokic. Let the Mavericks somehow get to like a three or four seed. I'm telling you, everybody's going to be clamoring we for a lemon pepper wing bet on this one because, and all I'm going to say is, uh, you want to pick a guy? You want to pick somebody? Who are you going to pick for MVP? I'm going to pick Harden. Who are you going to pick? Jokic. Okay, you pick Jokic. That's our bet. 20 lemon pepper wings on that. All right, topic two. What we got? The Golden State Warriors right now are like an average team, just got throttled last night by the 76ers without Steph Curry. But Steve Kerr has been uh, reminiscing a little bit and recently said on a podcast that the 15 and 50 season that he coached prior to the pandemic, obviously the Warriors were not invited to the bubble, uh, was more enjoyable than Kevin Durant's last season. Then he promptly went on and said that he was taken out of, his quotes were taken out of context, you know, Beside the fact that this was said on a podcast out loud, like he didn't explicitly say Kevin Durant's final season. However, you're talking about the last time the Warriors were in the finals. Kevin Durant's final season is also another way to describe that season, right? So, what would, what would be your take on that? I just think it's it's been a, it's been a disaster since he left. First of all, I don't understand this all this negative pushback to KD, who came there, won you two championships, was the Finals MVP. It wasn't like both times, it wasn't like he just was a hanger on or to get a ring because he was an agent player. No. In fact, I think the argument stands that if he did not join the team, that team wouldn't have won those two rings. I 100% agree. 100%, Martin. They were not. They they had choked down that 3-1 to one lead against the uh, uh, Cavaliers, and then they ran and begged him to join the team because they knew that they were in trouble. And they I, LeBron might have two more championships, or LeBron might have another one. Right. People get people tell people give LeBron a lot of flack for the way that he kind of orchestrated the Cleveland Cavaliers. But if you look at it, it makes so much sense. Right. Because the first time Kyrie gets hurt in the playoffs, Kevin Love gets hurt in the playoffs. OK, they go to, you know, he plays great. They can't they can't get over the home. Then they they, they come back from that three one deficit win, Right. And all of a sudden, he's like, you know, let's run it back. OK, like the first year, everybody got hurt. The second year, we won. So, who can, so like, obviously, this team fixed. And then year three, Kevin Durant just goes and takes advantage of a loophole of salary cap, to be quite honest, and changes NBA history. I just, I just don't like the way the Warriors have been. And I know, like, for Steve Kerr to say that, it is kind of a, a knock, even though he did not mention Kevin Durant's name. But the idea that Durant came back, Martin, on a busted leg to try to play in the finals and tried to help them win a third straight. They had been to the finals five years in a row. And to say you'd rather coach a, that coaching a 15 and 50 team was better than you have one of the great all-time great NBA players who tried to play what a lot of people said he shouldn't have even been out there, right? I mean, it's kind of a slap in the face. Then they also 
Uh, you remember the comment by the general manager after one of the parades, he kind of like talking about you just showed up here, kind of like ripping on Durant. And then when they broke in the new Chase Center, they had a video of all the great warriors and Kevin Durant wasn't on one clip. Can you imagine that? I don't understand what it is, but for whatever reason, like, and I'm not one of those like, oh, everybody's got haters type deal, but Kevin Durant just is continually disrespected. Like, I, I can't, and I can't square why. <laughs> I don't understand why. He's a great player. Like, I'm with you. He's a great he, player. I think that when he was with the Warriors and those Warriors runs, you had the argument legitimately that he was the best player in the league. You know, he was dotting LeBron's eyes in the finals from deep three-point land. Like, you know, and sure, he had Steph and Clay and all this, but I, I just the, – the Kevin Durant slander to me is just it, – it, yeah, I, I don't understand it. The only way that Steve Kerr can say that 15 and 50 team was like more – and maybe more enjoyable to coach because there were no expectations. Well, he could have right? said that there was a lot less pressure last year. That's, yeah, say, less pressure, no expectations. Say that you know, so, better. Is a is a slap. How is that better? You were in the finals with a chance to three peat. You know how many how few teams have ever three peat in the NBA? I mean, it's what a well, major accomplishment. And to that point, to that point, like what are you here for? Right. <laughs> right? Like what are you here for if it's not trying to win? <laughs> you know, I don't understand it. Right. So unfortunately, I'll tell you this, Rob. I don't know if you, you can relate to this, but every so every so often on Twitter. Something will happen, and you have to be like, oh, sh- oh, who, who is it, right? So when I saw that Melo broke his wrist, right, imme- I immediately thought Carmelo Anthony broke his wrist. And I was like, damn, that's tough. I wonder if this is the end of his career. I wonder, you know what I mean? I wonder if, you know, if he's going to be able to rehab back from this. This is his shooting wrist. Come to find out, it's LaMelo Ball, the preeminent, the, the, the favorite for rookie of the year. The guy who's got the Charlotte Hornets relevant for the first time since Michael Jordan bought him. I mean, it's it's to to say it's a blow for the NBA that this young star is out for the rest of the season is or potentially for the rest of the season sucks. To say it's a blow for him personally sucks even worse because he, you know, how often do you see an impact rookie, right? You know, he came in and, and, and was impacting the team in ways that you hadn't seen in years prior, but seeing as he's played about 42 games. And the Hornets fit to twenty-one and twenty-one, and this is 75, uh, 72 game season this year. Does is Lamelo automatically invalidated for the Rookie of the Year? It looks like he's going to be not play enough games. He's going to miss a lot of games. It'll be hard to 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 hand a trophy to a guy, especially who hasn't played the second half of the year. No matter what he's done, I just think I don't think we'd have to look it up, but I doubt anybody's played that few amount of games would ever get rookie of the year. And there are other players who will have a chance and people remember the last thing that they saw. And the last thing they haven't seen will be LaMelo ball for the last two and a half months. So I, I, I think it's impossible for him to win. I, I think ultimately the hundred uh, media members will, will wind up looking at other people, depending on what the younger players do Martin down the stretch and if they have some big games or big baskets or something, that's going to weigh in on people. I, I just – it's hard to say, oh, he played all the way up until uh, early March and didn't play another game, and he's the, he's the rookie of the year. I can't see him winning. See, the thing for me, and I think that it's kind of – people will use this argument to justify like a LeBron MVP case, right? But I think it's the same case for LaMelo because 
I understand that rookie of the year typically almost I looked it up the last five years, the team's going to like first round of the playoffs or lost or just missed the playoffs, you know, but like had like a 10, you know, a 10 game win increase or something like that. But there's like Tyree, like there's no other rookie right now impacting his team in, in the way the LaMelo ball was. Like the Hornets were a, dump, a dumpster fire. The Hornets were not, were nothing to watch. And LaMelo got them into, I, I hear you with the second half of the season. I get that. Not, he only going to play 50, if he doesn't play another game, 56% of the game. The lowest rookie, the lowest uh, percentage of games was when Patrick Ewan won rookie of the year and he played 61%. But he was so dominant and he didn't, he didn't miss the end of the year like that. I mean, I think this is but the problem. What I'm saying, though, is the, if the Hornets take a complete dive right back to the Eastern Conference cellar, I think that you will have arguments, similar arguments for LaMelo Rookie of the Year as you would have had if for LeBron Rookie of the Year. You know it's going to happen where the people will make LeBron Rookie of the Year. I mean, I'm sorry, LeBron MVP arguments. As the Lakers drop continually down, 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 down. It's like, look, look at how LeBron carried this team without AD. Look at them now without LeBron. As they just, I mean, you saw last night get throttled by like, what, 20 by the Pelicans? So I just, I think that he'll have a case. I think he has a push. And I think also because I think it's the right answer. Like, I think when you look around, you see other rookies, like Anthony Edwards is cool. I, I, I had the same game parlay with Anthony Edwards over points. And he's now starting to come into form. But LaMelo from day one, walking into the league, fit. And I just, I, I feel like he should, he deserves the rookie of the year, if nothing else. All right, Rob, but before we get to Rashad, I got to tell you, it's tournament time. And with so many games going on, I know I don't want to bet just one. That's why I love betting parlays on FanDuel Sportsbook. It's a great way to combine bets from different games for an even be- bigger win. And guess what? FanDuel is here to help if your parlay doesn't go as planned. They'll give you up to $25 back in site credit if your parlay of three legs or more falls short. That's one parlay per day, each day of the tournament, for new and existing users. And while it's cool that FanDuel gives this parlay insurance, you won't need it for the one that I'm about to give out to you. Take Michigan on the money line, take Loyola Chicago on the money line, and take USC on the money line. Right now on FanDuel, that's sitting at plus 299 odds. That means you bet $1.00. You get $2.99 back. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up with promo code LP3 so they know the Lemon Pepper Parlay podcast sent you. That's FanDuel Sportsbook, promo code LP3. All right, Martin, let's welcome in our guest, Rashard Phillips. Man, I, I covered this guy's career at UND Mercy. Hell of a basketball player out of Ferndale, Michigan, right next to Detroit. And, uh, man, he's done a great job. About to say, that's Detroit legend, Rashad Phillips. That's right. And and as you know, Rashad did some TV with us when we were at uh, WXYZ Channel 7 in Detroit. He was our college basketball insider when we first started doing uh, the 10 o'clock sports uh, in Detroit. And look at where he is now. He's blossomed, got his own business, got his own uh, founded Sports Talk 2319. Uh, and uh, Rashad, man, welcome to the podcast, man. We appreciate you. I, I, I appreciate you guys for having me. It's always a pleasure. It's just funny how like life's full circle, right? We were like, we were doing the TV in Detroit, all of us, and now here we are today, man. It's just, I love things like this. I love when it goes full circle. No doubt. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta give you this, Rashad. I gotta give you this right here, right now, because you have always championed the small guard. 
You're like the, the shorter guard. You've always been a champion. You've always been telling me, no, I don't care if he's 6'1". Trey Young, game changer, game changer, game changer. Yeah. So when people were telling me that Max Aceness was too short to do anything in this tournament, I was like, you know what? I bet Rashad going to disagree. <laughs> Went and looked in your page, and that's why I had Oral Roberts outright. So thank you for helping me pay the rent. Yes, sir. <laughs> Let's talk about some of these. Uh, you you had a number of uh, upsets that you picked. We saw it all over social media and some of the podcasts and things you had done before. What what was probably the the, the biggest hit you had on 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 the game? Because I know you did pick Oral Roberts, and you had a couple other big ones as well. Yeah, um, the the Abilene Christian over Texas. That one you had that right. What made you pick that game? I mean, I I have I watched Abilene throughout the year, Rob, and I was just like very, I was very impressed the way that they played on the defensive side of the ball. Like it was like they played with their hair on fire, and it forces the opposing team's guards to make a lot of decisions. You know, me being a former point guard. I understand how difficult it is, especially at the college level, to play against a defense that plays that type of style. So I looked at the Texas guards and I was like, there's no way that Texas guards will be able to handle that type of pressure. So I was able to be confident when I went on record and said, Abilene Christian is going to beat Texas. Trust me. I I've done the study. I've done the research. I know what I know, and we saw it. The thing about March Madness, right, we all love the upsets. We love the Cinderella's. Yeah. But it's like to a point, right? Because after right. a while, it's like, who are these kids? No offense. If, right. like, if, it, if it ended up being Abilene Christian versus Loyola Chicago, the biggest story would be Sister Jean, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but so out of these, so we've had these massive upsets. You have Oral Roberts advancing, North Texas yeah. advanced through the first round. Yeah, Abilene Christian go through the first round, knocking out uh, brackets are busted. Loyola Chicago yeah. still alive. Which team that somebody may have picked beforehand <laughs> might win this thing, right? Like, which team? It, wh who's the one guy? Like, I got Michigan in my bracket, or I got Arkansas in my bracket. I'm still alive. Like, which of those teams do you think still has a shot? You know, if Michigan has really impressed me because with the injury to Livers, I I, I really thought that. They were on, they were buy, you know, buying their time before they lost. Um, I think Michigan has. I thought a, LSU was going to get them. I honestly. did. I, I picked LSU to beat Michigan. I really did because I just figured that they just didn't have enough. So I'm really impressed at what Michigan brings to the table. Um, but personally, I really love Alabama. I really like Alabama, what they bring to the table. I'm not going to brag that I picked Michigan to win it all, but I, I did even I, – I thought the same thing. Sometimes teams rally. You know that, Rashad. Yes. You lose somebody. Guys play better. They step it up. Um, so, Livers losing him, most people jumped off of Michigan because of that, right? right. But I thought it right. could possibly work the other way. I do want to say one thing, and I'm not ripping on Sister Jean or whatever, but if she had a, a hotline to heaven – uh, they would have won a championship by now. I know they give her a lot of credit. <laughs> Come on, man. They haven't won. Come on. Shaw, they haven't won anything. What, what? Stop with the sister Jean. Huh? No? Martin, what's wrong with your boy? 
I will say, I will say, sometimes it's a little bit over, overwhelming when it's, it's over like, the top. You know, I'm just, like, like I, I'm sure the players on, I think the players on Illinois also like, you know, I'm sure some of them, you know, are like, hey man, you know, could for you sure. could you bail us out as we're turning the ball over? You've been going to the game for 50 years. They haven't won a championship. All right, already enough. Lo- Loyola Chicago was actually in the conference I played in when I was in college and. They were they were solid, but to see them in the light that they're in today is it, it's crazy. But you know, Sister Jean has had a little bit of touch on that program the last couple of years, Rob. I don't know. Like I, I had a I'm, I, I want to add. I had a sneaky I had a sneaky suspicion that Illinois would lose to to Loyola Chicago. Again, happened, though, right when you have like a, a rivalry kind of like little yeah. big brother, that's like when uh, uh, Izzo didn't want to play U or D. You remember, right? Like he, yeah. like like those are games you can lose. Yeah, like you know, in my career, I've never lost to Michigan State. You know, so it's like it was one of those situations where Loyola was really up for this game, and I don't think Illinois was was really ready for that fight. I, I I definitely believe that. So I want to ask you about I want to ask you about Arkansas because okay. in this wild schedule in this wild COVID year, yet I think it was a team. I think Colgate played the same team, played the same three teams five times in a row. Or like it's like this, just a ridiculously, incredibly ridiculous yeah. college basketball schedule. Yeah, Arkansas somehow managed to play every like every first round upset. They played Abilene Christian. They played Oral Roberts. And they played, I believe it was North Texas. Yeah. How much of how much does the preseason or pre-conference scheduling impact March Madness? It impacts it tremendously. And it, it goes both ways. The non-conference scheduling for college is everything. It's very telling. Some coaches use non-conference scheduling for particularly to get their teams ready for March. And some teams use non-conference scheduling to just get a bunch of W's so they can stay in the rankings. But when I look at Arkansas, I think what they did uh, was a a great job of scheduling teams that they thought would be good later on down the line. And it's paying off now. They beat Oral Roberts. I think they played them like December 5th. But somewhere in there, they played Oral Roberts like December 5th, and they only beat Oral Roberts by nine. So mm-hmm. from the from Oral Roberts' standpoint, their coach did a tremendous job too because Oral Roberts played Oklahoma State, Arkansas, Missouri, um, and they played, I think, Oklahoma. And they lost all of those games, right? But they were – but it prepared them for – playing Ohio State in the first round and Florida in the second round. So sometimes you got to lose early to win later, and that's what Oral Roberts did. Our guest here on the Lemon Pepper Parlay podcast, Rob Parker and Martin Weiss, is Rashad Phillips, Detroit basketball legend, U of D star, a guy covered when he was in college, and now he's one of the best uh, college and basketball analysts out there, no doubt. Um Tell me about upsets. Who's going to get to the Elite Eight? Uh, people like Syracuse. Uh, who do you like? Give me, give me a school or two that that that's going to get there 
and maybe people might scratch their head that they made it to the Elite Eight. Got to watch out for Syracuse, man. I, this you got to watch out for Syracuse. I, I mean, it's not the popular pick, but right. this is why this is why Syracuse is really scary. I like Houston a lot, but this is a trap game for Houston. That Syracuse zone is deadly unless you have a dynamic point guard. If you don't have a dynamic point guard to go against that Syracuse zone, you're going to be in trouble. So when I look when I look at Houston, I just, I don't see the dynamic point guard play. That's going to be a fight for them. This may be Houston's toughest game of the year playing Syracuse. So I just don't I can't count out the Orangemen, man. I I think that zone is going to be really scary to deal with because when you face it one time or you watch it on film, you're like, oh, okay, we there's a gap there, there's a gap there. I can hit that shot there. And then you get on the court with them, and it's like, wow, wait a minute, his arms are longer than what I thought. They're they're quicker to the ball, and it's like we can't solve it. Martin, you got to that point. Go I just to that point, the way that the game is coached now, like you know, the guys don't want you shooting those mid-range shots. It seems like those are kind of the spots that are open in Syracuse Correct. defense, right? Like, okay. and then Buddy Beheim is a, is a sniper. Like that dude's you're a problem. You're stuck. Like that yeah, dude, like cool. he is a absolute problem. I like I say after watching the, you know the sixty-four games. He, to, for my money, he's the best player that I saw this. Like he was the best player I saw this weekend, right? He played the best uh, over the last weekend. But All right. you know, I, I, I would say if I got a team, Loyola Chicago. I've been on them since December. I've been on them really since they pushed Michigan, right? Yeah. Uh, all those years back, the first run. Yeah. But they that guy Hartwig with his mustache. He's a problem, and like. And like the the best college basketball way, because he's not probably going to translate into like the NBA, right? But for to be a ground bound six nine, big old white fella, he's balling. Yeah, he's pretty. He, he's pretty good. He he gave uh he gave Kofi everything he was looking for against Illinois. They just ran four out and one in, and he beat them every time. Last question. We got to get to the NBA. Last thing, and we're going to let you bounce. What are you – the Nets of now, they went to Portland last night. No Kyrie. No Durant who hasn't played the last 15 games. They've won now 16 of their last 18. James Harden put on another show. How good are they and how scary when they have all three of those? I mean, Antonio Daniels talks about it being – it's an arms race. and Whoever has the most – Firepower is probably going to win. Where are you on the Nets and how this has been put together, and how good can they be? I think that I I think you just look at you look at the history, Rob. Look at the history of dominant trios. You want to go back to Magic, Worthy, and Kareem. You you want to you want to go back to Jordan, Pippen, Rodman. You want to go LeBron, Wade, Bosh, uh, Clay, Durant, Curry. Dominant trios win the history tells us this right it's this is this is this is history this is not my opinion like dominant trios win so well, with that being said good luck but hopefully the dominant trio will come back together 
All right, Kyrie won't take PTO and, uh, you know, Kevin Durant's legs will, he will, take will heal accordingly. He won't take PTO in June. Right, come on. Okay. Man. Stop it. I know. I'm just saying. And, and you know saying. what? Sean, he's been balling Kyrie this year. I mean, oh, he's killing. Am I right? He's developed like he's he's a grown yeah. man out there. I, yeah. Brooklyn, I will say. Brooklyn's going to be hard to beat. I mean, history tells us this. History tells us this. We can't, we cannot ignore history here. Dominant trios win. Nope. Period. No doubt. All right. Our man, Rashard Phillips, giving us some uh, college basketball knowledge, a little NBA talk, the whole nine yards. You know, we appreciate you to pieces, my man. Hey, Hawks are on a tear. <laughs> All right. Talk soon. Talk soon. Talk soon. All right, so let's make some picks real quick. Rob, the first game that we'll pick here is the Los Angeles Clippers. They are six-point favorites as they travel to San Antonio and face the Spurs. Spurs have been rumors of all types of trade. All types of trade rumors have been swirling in San Antonio. But they will play tomorrow, and the Clippers are a six-point favorite. Who you got? I know the Clippers can be inconsistent. I know it's been a rough uh, last 20 games or 15 games or whatever it's been, but they're still right there, 28 and 16. They're in the top four in the Western Conference. They're not that they're not out of it by any stretch, and they've bounced back. I don't know. I think the Spurs are just um I think there's too much cloud of of doubt and what's happening there. I think the Clippers go down there and I and I will give the six points. I think the Clippers go down there with the with everything going on and all the questions and players being unsure if they're going to be around after the trade deadline, that can play on people. I look at the Clippers here and say, they go in there and they win by double digits. I'll give up the six points. I'm leaning that way as well. I like the Clippers even – I like the Clippers to win this game. I like the Clippers to win this game by about 10 points. Um, now, if it, was a, if it was a line of minus 10, I'd stay away from it, obviously. No, that's, yeah, but I like the Clippers to win this game by double digits. I think that now you're going to see – team you're going to see the separation starting to happen right you're going to see the, uh, the, the 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 cream rising to the top so to speak and i think the clippers are going to start trying to they're they're going to get into the best team that they're going to be like whatever their peak is it's going to be happening in the next couple of weeks to, to roll into the playoffs i think it starts like you starts getting started now you know what I'm right. along these along these lines so you have the 22 and 22 Golden State Warriors, which feels like a sentence, especially based off the beginning of this podcast. You obviously haven't said in what half a decade that the Warriors are 500 this far into the season, but that's what happens when Clay gets hurt, Steph gets hurt, Kevin Durant goes and leaves town. Uh, they are two and a half point underdogs visiting the Sacramento Kings tomorrow night. I know they've been getting blown out and haven't looked good of late. I just have a hard time with the Sacramento Kings. I know they're 18 and 25. They're another team that just doesn't have enough talent. I know it's a home game. The Warriors need to get back on track. They're not out of the playoff race. I know it doesn't feel like great or where they are, but they're not. So two and a half points. I got Golden State winning by three in this game, a close one. But I got Steph. You're always saying I got an issue with Steph. I don't have, Steph makes the three. That gives me the win. So Steph and Golden State Warriors, 
minus two and a half. They win by three. Now, the Warriors were actually plus two and a half. Oh, they so get two. Oh. Even better. So even better. You got a five-point window there. Right. Even better. But I'm disagreeing with you. I'm liking the Sacramento Kings. Steph has been in and out of the lineup. And I just – I don't buy into this whole – like, I don't understand what the Warriors are about right now. Like, Kevin – Steve Kerr talking about the 15-5 and five team – or the 15-50 and 50 team was better than winning championships. Draymond Green – I don't know if you heard this, but Draymond Green said he was the best defender in the history of the NBA. I heard it. And, and like – And I unheard it, yes. But, like, with no context. I don't know if you heard – like, I heard it in context, heard right? It. Like, in the – in. Yeah, in, in the uh in the in the floor of the interview. And the interviewers were moving on to the next question. And Draymond was like, wait, I want everybody to know. I, I actually interrupted him. I think I'm the best defensive player in the NBA. Well, they, they had no pushback. They didn't challenge him. I mean, they didn't have anything. I mean, it was bad. I mean, I <laughs> honestly I feel like just personally, if Draymond Green was on the Lemon Pepper Parlay podcast, that he was the best NBA defender of all time. The shock that I would have would be something that I would have to work through before because that's just an egregious thing to say. With all that being said, I'm taking the Kings tomorrow. Uh, De'Aaron Fox is probably – I think De'Aaron Fox, if, if Curry is limited, De'Aaron Fox will be the best player on the court. I, I, and I think the Kings, while they stink, absolutely stink out loud, they score a ton of points. A ton, a ton of points. And there's – and you know what? Maybe it's just regency bias. But I watched – the first half of that Warriors Sixers game on TV last night, and I I just can't in good conscience put money on the Warriors right now unless they're playing like the Rockets or the Thunder. Or yeah, the, like playing at the least Sixers, the Kings got a little juice. Playing the Sixers compared to playing the uh, Kings is a big difference. I think let's let's be honest. I mean, come on. And and speaking of I, that, last game involves the Clippers. I mean, involves the uh, Sixers. Sixers on a West Coast swing right now. They are four-and-a-half-point favorites at the Lakers. I understand that sentence sounds crazy, but then you remember there's no LeBron, there's no AD, and really what seems like no hope in Los Angeles until the injury report gets a little less populated. Rob, who you got? Sixers minus four-and-a-half versus the Lakers. This is like stealing candy from a baby. The Le- Have you watched the Lakers without LeBron and AD? Not a oh, I, I watched them last night. I bet on them last night, and I that was that's the last time I would bet on them. You bet on them last night. The, listen, listen. Really? First of all, first of all, Rob Parker. Until you get on TV, until you get on Twitter, and you make a video every day picking a game, I don't want to hear it. Yeah, I try to pick a winner every day for these people. Okay. Yeah, but, but you, know game, bets? you you picked the Lakers. You really thought they were going to win against New Orleans? The thing that makes me so sick about it too is I was torn up between Brooklyn plus three and a half versus Portland. I was uh and um Philadelphia minus four versus Golden State. And I was like, you know what? Both of those seemed like they make too much sense. So I'm gonna zig when I zag. You know what happened? I overthought it. You over- that's what happened. That's what you I overthought it. Sometimes you just gotta go for it. I'm I'm taking not only that, I'm betting lunch money, I'm betting vacation money on Philadelphia. I'm sorry. I just the Lakers, the way that they look, without LeBron and without AD, they're going to be hard-pressed to win any games. I'm serious. And this next 15-game stretch where they play 10 playoff teams, I think they're going to wind up being like 3-12 three and three and 12 or something like that. And, and one win won't be against Philadelphia. I think Philadelphia I, I, this easily. I think they'll probably finish a little better than that. 
better than three and twelve. Uh, I maybe I think like the Schroeder Harrell combination can can gel a little bit and get them a couple wins there, kind of like the Lou Will and Harrell situation was doing in, in, in uh, Los Angeles Clippers. But I'm not going to suggest or tell anybody to bet on the Los Angeles Lakers in, in good conscience, right? The whole thing is called the Weiss advice, right? Like I'm supposed to be advising people. That's malpractice, right? That's malpractice to tell somebody to bet on the Lakers and THT and Dennis Schroeder and and Mark Gasol in and out of the lineup. Like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm going, I'm betting on the Sixers, you know, bet good teams against bad teams, right? Like, it's just that simple. All right. So, Rob, what's your lemon pepper parlay? All right. My lemon pepper parlay for this week, bet the ranch on the Sixers minus four and a half over the Lakers. This is free money. Free, free money. And I'm going against the grade. I'm going to take a Golden State plus two and a half. At 22 and 22, playing this 18 and 25 Sacramento Kings. I know it's a road game. I'm taking the two and a half points, and I got them winning outright, uh, Golden State. So that's my lemon pepper parlay for this week. For my lemon pepper parlay, I'm going to do a same game parlay again because FanDuel lets us do that, and I hit last week, so might as well try it again, right? I'm going with the Los Angeles Clippers. Minus six, and Kawhi Leonard over points and rebounds. So over points plus rebounds, whatever it is, I'm taking Kawhi Leonard over that, and the Clippers minus six. Revenge game, San Antonio. I don't, I haven't, I can't remember the time that Kawhi played in San Antonio in, in any other capacity. I like it. I like it a lot. So that's, that's what I'm going with. All right, that sounds good. And that is going to do it for this edition of the Lemon Pepper Parlay Podcast. The slash NBA college basketball edition. Uh, We'll be back next week. Make sure you subscribe to us, uh, like us, do all that. Um, And, and of course, watch out for Martin on social media with his picks during every day, doing it for FanDuel uh, on on, uh, Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff. So we'll uh, check you out next week. Peace. Love and soul. All right, Don Cornelius.